Hello, my name is Jocelyn, and today I'm going to be talking to you about describing and analyzing the changes in the role of Parliament in English politics between the succession of James I and the Glorious Revolution. During the reign of James I, Parliament had no power at all, but wanted religious changes, but in order to get religious changes, they needed political power, and this change occurred from the reign of James I to the Glorious Revolution. James ruled from March 24, 1603 to his death, which was March 27, 1625. James was a big advocate of divine right absolutism, which basically means that God has appointed a king to rule, and God wants the king to rule without being held back by representative bodies like parliament. Divine right absolutism is based on the idea that God put the king where he is to rule absolutely with the best interest in the nation as a whole and not just taking sides with all the different opinions on what is best for the nation. During his reign, James I had a state religion, which was one church that everybody had to attend, not just that, but also supported with taxes. James decided that the Church of England will be the state religion and that everyone must attend. This causes some problems because James is, is insistent on religious uniformity, which means everyone in England must belong to the Church of England and no other religious groups, not even other Protestant and Christian religious groups, can practice their religions. English Calvinists believed that the Church of England was too Catholic. They didn't see much of a Reformation. There was a, two types of English Calvinists, the Puritans and the Separatists. They both had one doctrine, but the Puritans just wanted to purify the Church of England, and the Separatists wanted to separate from them. As you can see, Parliament didn't have an important part in politics during the reign of James I of England, which made it impossible to take action towards religious changes. The next to rule was Charles I from March 27, 1625, until his execution in 1649. Parliament had the power to allow the king to collect taxes. Whenever Charles needed money, he would have to get permission to tax. Parliament and the king would never meet up regularly, only when the king needed money. This motivated Charles I to get past Parliament so he can collect taxes faster and not have to give explanations on why he wants to collect taxes. Charles does this by messing with ship money, which was a tax on coastal cities at the time. The reason for this was because towns and cities on the coast benefited from trade, whereas inland cities did not. Charles basically thought, while well, the tax is already in place, might as well tax everyone, right? Parliament was ready to be like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> and as you can probably notice, this is going to create tension between the king and parliament. Parliament is not okay with this because it's applying taxes a different way, so Charles still had to contact parliament. Well, the king argues he didn't have to. Then in 1628, parliament makes a petition of right, which was a declaration of rights passed by parliament in response to Charles's abuses of power. This, although, was just an indirect way of telling the king he was he was doing something wrong, but Charles just brushed it off. Then from 1629 to 1640 was the time of his personal rule, which was him ruling on his own. But then in 1640, there was a parliament called the Short Parliament, but Charles kicked them out of power for not doing what he wanted. He then chose the Long Parliament, hoping they would listen to him. After a, long of a lot of conflicts between parliament and the king, there was no compromise, which led to the English Civil War. The Cavaliers were the supporters of the king, and the Roundheads were supporters of the Long Parliament. In 1649, Charles I was beheaded for treason, but the English Civil War didn't end until 1651. The beheading of Charles was the end of store absolutism. As you can see here, 
and Parliament's main goal changed from religious demands to political power. After the execution of Charles I, Cromwell came into power from 1649 to 1660. He was a military dictator. During his rule, there was only the Rump Parliament, which was made up of those who remained loyal to Cromwell. So basically, it was a corrupt parliament since whatever Cromwell said went, and if not, they lost any power they had, if any. After Cromwell died, Charles II came to power in 1649. After all the paperwork to be in power was filled out, Charles II and Parliament worked together until 1681 when Charles II dissolved the English Parliament in 1681 and ruled alone until his death on February 6, 1685. Charles's wife, Catherine of Braganza, bore no live children, but Charles had at least 12 other children by various mistresses, so they are not allowed to rule, which is why his brother James II was put into power after him. Charles II and Parliament got along just fine for most of the time he ruled, which is progress from past king and Parliament relationships. During the reign of James II, Parliament and the king butted heads once more. James II was an open papist. This stirred up the question if a Catholic king could rule effectively in a Protestant country. This was the first time parties in Parliament were present. There were there was the Tories who favored the succession of James to the English throne and the Whigs who wanted to exclude James from the dis succession. James quickly dissolved Parliament to try to get rid of this tension or argument, but this did not stop it at all. In 1685, there was the Monmouth Rebellion to keep James from taking the throne. So as you can see, there was a lot of unrest about, the about this Catholic monarch taking power. In order to put this... Down you got what is called the Bloody Assizes, where the hanging judge, Jeffries, has <sighs> over 1,000 people executed or deported to the West Indies for treason. Over 200 people were hanged, drawn, and quartered. Then James, as far as being a Catholic, decided to suspend the test acts. This is James saying he is not going to enforce the law. That says that you have to be a member of the Church of England in good standing in order to serve in a government office. He is also saying he is not going to enforce the law of Parliament. So like his brother, he signed a declaration of indulgence, which says he is not going to enforce the laws against Catholics and nonconformists. James is a Catholic, is head of the Church of England, so he tells the bishops to read the declaration in the church. So you can imagine that the bishops were not happy with this because it runs people away from the church. James says that God gave him power, which is, he's talking about divine right, and that he was allowed to do this no matter what they thought. Him saying this basically shows James defying Parliament's role in politics. This is when Parliament decides to overthrow him. Some grievances that are presented are cruel and unusual punishments, suspended laws passed by Parliament, intimidated bishops, and invoked divine right. James is starting to dismiss people that are Protestants. James dismissed his Lord of the Treasury after he refused to renounce his Anglican faith. In 1688, James II's son was born, and usually this is a good thing, but this sparked a new crisis. Parliament was going to wait it out until James II's death, but now there is a succession crisis because now they can have a Catholic dynasty. James II also had a daughter named Mary Stuart, and she was a Protestant, so Parliament was like, hey, James has a Protestant daughter. She was married to William III, Prince of Orange. 
William III was part of the family, so this was good as far as him becoming the king. So Parliament contacts William III and says, Hey, we would like you to become the next king of England. The only thing to ask is to let Parliament do the governing and him to just sit back. Parliament tells William III to invade, and so he does. And then you get the Glorious Revolution. In 1688, James II was run off the Parliament. The throne was vacant and there was little bloodshed. The Glorious Revolution was caused Um, pardon me, I mean, the Glorious Revolution caused a shift in the distribution of power throughout the realm. The king and queen both signed the Declaration of Rights, which became known as the Bill of Rights. This document acknowledged several constitutional principles, including the right for regular parliaments, free elections, and freedom of speech in parliament. From the rule of James I and the Glorious Revolution, the role of parliament changed drastically. As we noticed, parliament's main goal was to get religious changes, but changed into fighting for political rights. This was my podcast, and thank you for listening.